Are you ready to jump in? I'm eager to hear your wisdom. All right, let's go ahead and get this baby rolling. The midterm elections are just three weeks away. As insane as that seems to me, the time is just flying by. And in Texas, if you've been paying attention, you probably realize they're taking place amidst a changing electorate and political landscape. Look at the size of the Hispanic population. I think it's a mistake to assume just because you're Hispanic or Latino that you're going to vote Democrat. You know, Hispanics in this state, in this country, come from 22 different countries of origin. 22 different countries, 22 different ways of thinking. It is not a monolith. It is not a homogeneous group that you go, okay, how are the Hispanics going to vote? I'm Bailey Friday, and North Texas wants to know... What role will the Latino vote play in the midterm elections? Historically, the Hispanic population has been assumed or taken for granted as running Democrat. The Low Rio Grande Valley has been a strong Democratic hold. That's J.R. Gonzalez. He is the chairman of the Education Foundation for the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. The fact that there was so much attention during the last administration, especially to the Rio Grande Valley, dealing with immigration, dealing with illegal crossings, dealing with almost militarizing the border, it had a lot of attention. So a lot of money was also put into that. So if you look at it from one standard, from the GOP side, you're looking at here, you have a democratic stronghold. What can we do to kind of bust that up? So a lot of money was actually pumped into the valley to recruit people to the Republican Party. Their recruiting effort really paid off last summer, if you remember, when the GOP flipped the U.S. House seat in a special election, and that ended up making Myra Flores the first Republican to represent the Rio Grande Valley in Congress since Reconstruction. What were some of the key factors in that race? There's one thing I learned about politics, that anybody could get elected to anything if the timing is right. I think the timing was right. The timing was right, the the money was there, the support, and it wasn't so much, maybe it wasn't so much voting for her, but voting against the other person out of frustration. Mm-hmm. You had a lot, you have a lot of factors in play. I think it's it's a very good example to point to. I think one party is pointing to it as a great victory and a trend changer. But on the other hand, it was a matter of the circumstances. And I don't think that's going to be some trend that's going to occur ongoing. I think it was a unique situation. The midterm election in Texas' 34th congressional district is now going to be a battle between two incumbents due to new lines being drawn in redistricting. Flores faces Democrat Vicente Gonzalez in a race that is rated a toss-up by the Cook Political Report. But everybody's watching closely to see if that if those set of circumstances continue. And I really doubt that they will because... With that, with that surprise, there's a lot more effort being put in shoring up that, that part of the state, the low Rio Grande Valley, and keep that as a, um, as a blue, blue area. The Rio Grande Valley's population is more than 90% Latino. That is 9-0, according to the 2020 census. 
And lawmakers have been accused for years of treating all Latino voters like a single voting block. How do voting preferences vary based on country of origin and where in the U.S. a voter lives? Well, you know, Bailey, we don't have enough time on this podcast to go into all that, (laughs) but you're absolutely correct. It's interesting to note that Hispanics can shift just about any election. Right here in Texas, 30.4% of the Hispanic population are eligible voters, 30.4%. Look at that compared to as the Hispanic population continues to grow and as we go in the future, there's people, a lot of people or the smart statisticians and pollsters are looking at that the medium age of, of Hispanics, you know, and overall in the country is about 19 we're looking at 47% of U.S.-born Latinos are under the age of 18 right now. Almost 50% are under the age of 18 who are not even voting age yet. So with that, as it's starting to grow, there's that trend going, people are realizing we need to reach out and tap into that market because, well, especially here in Texas, your non-Hispanic Anglo or your non-Hispanic white is in the minority now. Republican strategist Tim Rosales told Odyssey's KNX News in Los Angeles back in June that it would be a mistake for either party to assume they have anyone's vote in hand. I think that any party that takes a particular group for granted does it, you know, to their own detriment. So, you know, to the extent that I think that the Democratic Party does nationally and here in California, uh, I think they are misreading the tea leaves. Um, You know, there have been uh, you know, over the, over the years, I think, uh, you know, a trend as Latino voters, uh, particularly, uh, get further away generationally from, let's say, you know, their, uh, their country of origin, if you got a Mexican immigrant who is, you know, three generations now in, in the U.S. or two generations in the U.S., those voters look more and more like, um, you know, just voters at large. And yeah, while Rosales was speaking about California specifically, Gonzalez says it's true in Texas, too. As far as the top issues for Hispanic voters are like anybody else, they're about health care, they're about the economy, they're about the future, they're about climate change. It's a lot of the same issues, but yet you don't hear that narrative a lot, and a lot of people don't point to it because just because you're Hispanic doesn't mean, I mean, what does that mean? It means you're of a certain origin, and this is a country of made up of a lot of different people. And let's face it, I mean, Texas, for many, many years, I mean, for the majority... I mean, this was once Mexico. So as far as the Mexican uh, population, a Mexican descent, that is going to be your primary group in Texas. I mean, that's going to be the vast majority with some of your you know, Puerto Ricans and Cubans and Dominicans and Central Americans being a lot less. But I think it's about, if I last time I looked, it was about like 85% is going to be of Mexican uh, descent. Like with a lot of groups... Gonzalez says differing views on social issues could be a generational thing more than anything else. Look at the abortion issue. A lot of Hispanics feel that abortion should be legal, while there's the ones that tend to be skew a little bit older, uh, more religious, more you know Catholic. They believe it should be illegal. So you're looking at a group, and it's hard to say that one population segment is going to think in unison towards one one subject or one topic. So even within whether it be gun control, whether it be abortion, there is a vast difference of opinions within it, breaking down to age group, culture, assimilation. There are a myriad of factors that go into that. What makes Texas such an interesting case study and what issues drive voter turnout 
is its tendency to start trends among other red states. Christine Bolaños, communications director for JOLT, a progressive organization in Texas that's focused on increasing influence among young Latinos, on Odyssey's new political podcast, The Home Stretch. Many times what starts here in Texas has a domino effect across all of our conservative states, especially down south, right? Um, When it came to voting rights, for example, when it came to reproductive rights, we were the first ones to try to pass very totalitarian-like legislation. And once our neighboring states saw that those were successful, then they try their own iteration of whatever that legislation was. And that's a very scary thing because what that means is that Texas is incredibly powerful in kind of setting the path for our political future. I think the whole thing of abortion is going to be one that is definitely getting people out. And if you look at some of the TV commercials and some of the radio ads, not only in the state of Texas, but nationally, that is a rally, that is a rallying point for both sides, you know, whether you're GOP or whether you're Democrat, both sides are rallying to that. Uh, gun control is a rallying issue. The wall, oh my gosh, we go into that again. You know, that's going to be a rallying point for some people. The electrical grid. I mean, there, there's so many things. And the unfortunate part is both parties are, instead of focusing in on what they stand for or what they're going to do, it seems to be a lot more money and effort put into what the other side has done incorrectly. So it's just this downward spiral of negativity. And because of that, a lot of people are just kind of get disenfranchised, disengaged, going, I'm just tired of it because it is an endless, endless barrage, whether it be television, radio, newspaper, magazine, billboard, social media. It's like you can't turn anywhere without hearing some political rhetoric coming your way. And are the votes really retaliatory? Are people voting for one candidate just to ensure that the other one isn't elected? I know when I go home for Christmas or Thanksgiving and I'm in a family setting talking to a lot of people with different political viewpoints, you can definitely feel that there's heat aimed at some of these candidates. So to me, it really doesn't seem like it would be that big of a leap. And if there are retaliatory votes, how does that negative phenomenon affect the state's future? Well, (laughs) that's a good question. And I'm not saying that's the driving force, but that's the way a lot of people, some people get elected. It's just that they're tired of the other person. They want to change. They don't know what to expect, but all they know is they don't want this because it's not going in the right direction. In fact, when you're looking about the um, Hispanic vote, I mean, according to the Pew Center, I was doing some research and it was like seven to 10 Latinos say that they are dissatisfied with the way this country is going. I mean, 70%. That doesn't mean just because they're dissatisfied with today that they're going to go flip parties because there's been a dissatisfaction with both parties in power. So there again, if you have that high level of dissatisfaction, what's the answer? Well, you know, to me, part of the answer is people getting more and more engaged civically, knowing the issues, voting for the right person and holding our elected officials accountable. Nobody seems to be holding them accountable, which is just another thing that, that they work for us, Mm -hmm. the voters, the electorate. And so many people are just silent. I think that a lot of the blame Or if you want to cast blame, it's not so much on the politicians themselves, but a lot of the blame comes right back to us, the voters, for not saying something and demanding a higher standard from our elected officials. So is it easier to be a change candidate than affect change once someone is in office? You know, Bailey, it's always easier to cast stones and actually do something positive. It's always easier to be negative than than to try to do something positive. 
And unfortunately, I think that's the way a lot of the political uh, campaigning has turned into is negative, 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 and hope that the voter believes that the other person is Satan themselves and is so bad that they're going to vote for you. So yeah. if you look at it to your question, it's almost that in reversal. It's not, you know, don't vote for me because I have a better idea or a better plan or I'll be a better representative. Vote for me because look how evil and bad that other person is. In September, a Telemundo Mason-Dixon poll of 625 likely Hispanic voters in Texas found that 54% of them would vote for Democrat Beto O'Rourke in the race for governor, while 31% said they're planning to vote for Republican incumbent Greg Abbott. Voters were also asked about their view of Governor Abbott's decision to bus migrants to other states. How do you think those actions could impact the election? I think it's impacting the taxpayers of Texas more than it's going to impact the vote. I mean, it was it was a political I mean, obvious. It's just a political ploy. I mean, it was just Mm -hmm. it was just a headline grabber. I mean, Abbott, you know, the governor, I'm sure he wants to get reelected. He probably has higher aspirations. It's a good way to audition for the rest of the country for some other possibilities of him running in the future. But I think it was uh, personally, I think it's it's it was a travesty that we use human beings as political pawns to make a point. Does a point need to be made? Of course. Do they need to do it this way? No. And these are people's lives. Whether you agree or you disagree, these are human beings. These are people's lives that are in play. And, you know, just God bless them for what they're going through. And it's a very difficult situation. What are some of the push and pull factors in Texas when it comes to getting people to the polls? Here in the state of Texas is very unique. We have the strictest polling places and voting registration in the country. It is very difficult to register to vote. It's very difficult. And the polling places themselves, the limited amount of polling places where they're strategically located. When you put that all together, it's nothing more than to thwart or diminish uh, the vote for people of color. Do you remember when Texas Democrats staged that late night walkout and they left the state capitol during the last legislative session? This was back in spring 2021. Ultimately, they left for Washington, D.C. Yep. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, if you follow politics at all, you probably remember all of that going down, right? It was an attempt to stop a vote on a Republican-backed voting bill, but ultimately that bill passed when Abbott called a special session. It put restrictions on mail-in ballots, it eliminated drive through voting for most voters, put a stop to 24-hour voting, and empowered poll watchers. It was very controversial. I don't care how you try to sell it, that's what it means. It means less people of color voting. And that's an interesting factor, Bailey, because the latest census polls show that about 42% of the population of Texas is is Hispanic, where non-Hispanic whites is about 38%. This has been a majority minority state since 2004. But you look at our elected officials, they do not reflect the people they serve. It's a very white GOP type dominant state when when it's actually a majority minority state. And right here in Dallas County, Uh, We're talking about a Hispanic population of 41.4%. You have a Black or an African-American population of 23.8%, and a white population of 27%, so not even a third. Yes, there are Latinos representing North Texas in the state legislature, but 
There are absolutely zero, none in the U.S. House. Bailey, in a perfect world, the whole process of voting has to be made much easier. Every citizen, every registered voter should have the right to vote, and it should not be difficult for them to do so. But at the same time, coupled with that opportunity, they need to make sure that good factual information is coming to them. Let them make their own decision. Party aside, Gonzalez says he thinks the state and the country are drifting away from their founding values. I think we've lost a certain degree of civility. We've lost a certain degree of caring for each other. And as much as you hear it in the rhetoric, I think we definitely really care. We've really lost putting America first. It should be paid, you know, God and country. And I think that we're using God to tell people in the country to vote a certain way. And that's, that shouldn't be the case. I think if in a perfect world, if more people put their fellow human being, and if they put their commitment to patriotism and the democratic process in this country, which is the best process in the world, and I believe it's somewhat under attack right now, that that's the perfect world. I love that answer. Wisdom flowing from your mouth. I mean, incredible, really. Kind of impressed myself. Damn, I just kind of rolled (laughs) off. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast, North Texas Wants to Know. Before you go, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked this episode, go ahead, share it with your friends. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for National News Podcasts is Myron Kaplan.